Hello and welcome to Global Cosmetics News Monthly Podcast Series In Conversation With. Today we'll be discussing how the great virus crisis is propelling green beauty into the spotlight. But first it's my pleasure to introduce our guests. Good afternoon to Amajit Sahota, founder and president of Ecova Intelligence, joining us live from London. Good evening to Nicole Fall, CEO of Asia Consumer Intelligence, joining us from Singapore. And good morning to Mallory Huron, beauty editor at Fashion Snoops, who is joining us from New York. Welcome, everybody. Since the start of the global coronavirus pandemic, demand for clean, green, organic, sustainable consumer products have outreached supply. But does pandemic mania mean a true shift in consumer behaviour? And if so, how is the cosmetic industry responding? Let's start with green formulation. Who, since the start of the pandemic, has been innovating in the space across Asia? Nicole. I would love to say that there are lots and lots of brands doing brilliant green formulations in this part of the world. But sadly, I have to say that Asia on the whole is a laggard compared to Europe, particularly the UK and obviously the US as well. However, um, Australia and obviously New Zealand um, are kind of outliers to this trend. And, um, and I think one brand that is just really, really plugged away in terms of what it does. And it's been doing it for a really long time. It hasn't jumped on any bandwagons or anything, but it's Australian brand Sukin. They're now globally um, available. Their products are everywhere now, but what's been quite amazing to watch is if you're looking in the local drugstores and whether that's in Malaysia or Singapore, um, you know, they've, they've been selling affordable kind of vegan products um, that are, you know, free from artificial additives and harsh ingredients. And they also, you know, they're trying to go for um, 100% carbon neutral as well. And probably one of the most interesting things that they've launched and particularly relevant this part of the world is that they recently launched a detoxifying biogradable sheet mask um, called Super Greens. And it sounds like a smoothie because it features a blend of kale, spirulina, parsley and corella. But basically, what the most exciting innovation to it is, is that it's made from 100% cotton fibers that biodegrade within six months of usage, which is a huge step forward um, for a category in this region where it's really popular, yet, um, you know, these are so disposable and just kind of, you know, sit in the earth for uh, decades, if not hundreds of years. And Mallory, in America, who's formulating with green products? So I think um, for our market, I think this particular moment is really being dominated by these super small indie beauty brands mm. who are really looking to foster a nature-based connection between formula and the skin. The pandemic saw many of us become more interested in garden, gardening and kind of foraging and reconnecting with nature and homegrown beauty is really surging. We're seeing this kind of vintner's daughter effect pick up, which is to say a surge in farm-based beauty brands that are really open and honest about the purity and efficiency of their products. Botanical infusions from brands like Flower and Bone, Cultivate Apothecary, and Woodspell Apothecary come to mind because they're focusing on these healing herbs, flowers, and healing woods that are really resonating with consumers right now. Hydrosols in particular are having a really big moment they're less abrasive than, you know, essential oils and they're really soothing to the skin. 
Brands like Starbright Farm really bring consumers behind the scenes to show them how they grow the herbs, how they distill these beautiful botanicals into these healing tinctures. And I think that is really um, resonating. Olive oil or salad dressing skincare, as I've seen it called, is also having a bit of a moment. It's building on this farm-based movement. Um, two brands that come to mind are Wonder Valley and Fortuna, and they both have these really great sustainable uh, credentials and these olive oil farms where they really uh, do a great job with clean green beauty and these really farm-based formulations. Um, of course, we can't talk about formulations without mentioning CBD. Uh, two really innovative C CBD brands that come to my mind are Haoma Earth and Fay Earth to Body. Um, Haoma Earth is an amazing CBD skincare brand with a gorgeous aesthetic and a really unique approach to formulation. Their blends are designed to not only restore and heal the skin, but they also place a great deal of emphasis on restoring and healing the earth for this complete symbiotic cycle of healing. And Fay Earth to Body is really changing the formulation transparency game because they provide customers with a detailed analysis of the chemical makeup of their botanical hemp oils, which I think is a really unique move in helping customers see, okay, this is the makeup of the product that I'm putting in my body, on my body. And I think it really inspires a lot of confidence. And Amajit, how is it different, Clean Beauty, in Europe? Um, yeah, I, I, okay. The first thing is I've looked at this question a little bit differently. Um, you know, uh, when you talked about green formulations, I'm looking at it more in terms of ingredients as opposed to brands. And that's because in Europe, uh, I think we're a little bit more advanced than other parts of the world in terms of our natural, organic, sustainable products. But the two trends I really want to talk about in green formulations, which have taken off this year, uh, they were emerging previous years, but this year they've taken off. Uh, first is more bio-based materials. And by that, we're meaning um, ingredients made from renewable feedstock and are replacing synthetic chemicals. So we've seen Croda launch bio-based surfactants. We've seen Norian in Netherlands. And also, there's a very interesting company in the Czech Republic called Naficate. And they're making PHAs from plant materials biomass. So that's the first big trend in terms of green formulations. And the second trend is upcycling of ingredients. What we're seeing this year is um, more and more companies are using food waste as a raw material for, the, uh, for cosmetic ingredients. And here in the UK, we've seen Dr. Craft. Um, they've launched a natural hair dye made from blackcurrant pulp. We've seen UpCircle Up Beauty and uh, an international brand, Hero Right, which is actually uh, based in uh, Taiwan. Uh, their whole business premise is based on that. They're making natural hair care products, shampoos, conditioners, using spent coffee grounds. And now they're using uh, used grains. They're using goji, uh, goji berry roots in their formulations. So the two big trends we see are bio-based materials and upcycling of ingredients. And let's talk about uh green cosmetic packaging, who, if anyone, is designing for a circular economy in the U.S., Mallory? So L'Oreal USA recently made a commitment to 100% sustainable packaging by 2025, uh, joining 60 other organizations as part of the U.S. Plastics Pact. And we're really seeing a lot more of these pledges and commitments from brands um, to increase transparency. L'Oreal has been quite good um, in their recent efforts 
They have an ultimate goal of cutting out non-recyclable plastic packaging by 2030 for its Garnier brand. It also recently shared four sustainability commitments for 2030, including fighting climate change, managing water sustainability, respecting biodiversity, and preserving natural resources. Um, Unilever is another U.S.-based brand that has also done a lot within the sustainability space. They recently set out a new set of commitments to the planet, including plastic packaging, um, and also made a 1 billion euro investment in a climate and nature fund with a commitment to achieving net zero emissions for all products by 2039. Also, um, L'Oreal um, also co-founded a new tool called the SPICE tool, standing for Sustainable Packaging Initiative for Cosmetics. Um, that is going to be used to help measure and reduce the environmental footprint of any cosmetic packaging through its life cycle, which I think is a really innovative idea to help track how, where packaging goes and that can better serve us in terms of how to create a more sustainable beauty packaging economy. And Nicole, in Asia, is anyone designing for the circular economy? There are brands here and there. I think What's obviously um, ironic is that, you know, in terms of green and, and uh, circular economy, you know, Asia is behind. However, obviously, with, um, you know, digitization and, uh, you know, home deliveries and so on, it's, it's obviously the region that's way ahead of the rest of the world. And I think that's actually alerted the consumer, particularly over um, the COVID period, which is obviously still ongoing. And, um, and as these kind of, you know, parcels pile up in people's homes and, you know, day in day de deliveries with plastic piling up everywhere, there's a growing sense among some consumers that this is just not sustainable in the long run, let alone the short run. So there's actually some interesting brands which are trying to make an effort. Look, it's not quite on the same scale as we're seeing with some of the brands that Mallory mentioned. But, you know, here's an example of an indie brand in the Philippines. They're called Akula. Um, they're an indie vegan skin brand um, that also does some home care products and basically what they're doing is compostable tinted lip balms and they come in recyclable 100% recyclable paper and then from this September they also announced that they're infusing the packaging with a variety of seeds inside the product which users can then conveniently plant in their own backyards or, or vertical gardens as, as the case may be. And, um, and the, you know, the seeds are kind of lavender, basil, mint, thyme and spinach, which, um, you know, have a connection to the ingredients that used in the products themselves. So it's, you know, it's a cute little initiative, um, but hardly, you know, life changing in terms of what, you know, the impact on the planet. But, you know, baby steps over here. And Amajit, um, what do you see? Who is designing for a circular economy? Um, a good question. Um, what we've already seen um, in the last couple of years is um, the more and more use of sustainable materials. So um, uh, there's a big shift away from single-use plastics in packaging. And uh, we've seen some innovation there uh, a few years ago. Uh, ocean plastic has been used, whereby plastic has been recuperated from the ocean and uh, reconstituted for product packaging. Henkel, Ven Skincare, P&G are some of the companies which have already done that. We're already seeing bamboo uh, being used in, say, color cosmetics instead of, uh, uh, instead of plastics. We're seeing bioplastics being used. So companies like Bulldog, uh, companies like Surya Brazil, they're using bioplastics as packaging. But where we're seeing a lot of the innovation in terms of the circular economy is uh, the TerraCycle with a loop platform. 
So what they did was they introduced this in the USA last year. They introduced it in France and they just introduced it in the UK just recently. And this is a remake of the old Milkman model uh, whereby you buy your product, your personal care products. And when you finish with the packaging, uh, it's collected by a courier, it's washed and it's reused again. So the idea here is the brand owns the packaging and the consumer just borrows it. And that packaging has multiple uses. So that's really taken off. And um, a similar concept to that is era zero waste in Germany. And they're providing personal care products which can be refilled and the packaging can be used multiple times. So that's where we're really seeing the innovation in terms of materials, but also in terms of business model like TerraCycle and era zero waste. So we are six months into the global pandemic uh, and consumers are looking and trying to find greener products. Um, how have heritage and indie brands responded to this consumer demand? And is L'Oreal's Garnier brand the one to watch? Nicole? So I used to live in Japan and the only time I met my neighbours is when I would incorrectly put my garbage or gomi as it's called out. And uh, because in Japan and also in Korea, they have very, very strict recycling rules. And from there, basically what you would do, there was like 16 types of garbage um, and you would have to sort through them very, very carefully. And what this really was about is that it's a top-down approach in these countries. You know, it's legislated that um, consumers have to sort through their garbage and that um, when it comes to, you know, recycling initiatives, companies like Cow, for example, are really, really big on aligning their purpose with sustainability. Um, you know, they are, Cow is behind, you know, brands like Biore and Jurgens and John Frieda and Canabo and so on and so forth. And they really genuinely do seem to have aligned themselves with this idea that, sus that sustainability is their purpose. And for example, in the US, they've just um, announced that John Frieda Hair Care um, will be now uh, put into packaging which which uses 50% less plastic um, but they also do really interesting things like they're trying to so palm oil obviously is a very uh, a hot button topic in this part of the world you know it's uh, it's a, a strong um, part of the economy in in Indonesia in Malaysia but in the west it's perceived as you know this evil ingredient but as we know it's in pretty much everything and um, and what they're trying to do is really work with independent farmers to you know bring in better standards within that um, working with you know um, small shareholders and then what also cow will do is they are really trying to do something with you know reused plastic because there's not a lot that we can do with it again and so for example they'll build it into little bricks and then they'll make um you know benches at train stations so i would say that cow in the region is definitely the most forward and it's definitely their brand to watch and mallory in the us what are the heritage and indie brands uh doing in terms of this growth area of green beauty so I think a lot of brands are really starting to focus on reusable products. I think the, the idea of interrupting this cycle of single-use waste is really starting to kick in in the consumer mindset. It's something they've been aware of for a long time, but I think a lot of people are looking to actually implement it into their lifestyles now. 
Um, so reusable beauty from Garnier and Face Halo launching reusable makeup pads, uh, a brand uh, we love at FS called Burst. They just launched reusable cotton pads. So replacing those disposable cotton pads that you might use to apply toner, you simply wash them and you have a, a completely reusable cotton pad, which is a great interruption to single use waste. Uh, Body Beauty is looking into reusable sheet masks. Of course, sheet masks are being called out as the plastic straw of the beauty industry by uh, beauty writer Jessica Defino. She has a great article on this subject. Um, and I also, Brand Dieu, I think I think I pronounced that correctly, Dieu, mm. um, like French for two. Um, they have a great product. They're reusable eye sheet masks. So you essentially just pop them on top of uh, an eye cream and they just help the product penetrate more. And so that that sort of thinking is really helping to change the consumer mindset of, oh, I don't need this disposable product every single time. Okay, and Amajit, is L'Oreal Garnier the, the brand to watch then on this one? Um, I'm not entirely sure. You know, L'Oreal Garnier, uh, you know, Garnier has been relaunched as Garnier Organic in many European countries. Uh, however, it's very uncertain how uh, how well the adoption rates will be. Uh, what we've seen in the last six months since the pandemic, a lot of these natural, organic, sustainable brands, they really followed a K shape in terms of sales. Um, though, I mean, K in terms of, on one side, it's been growth. Uh, growth has been for brands who are focusing on organic food shops, pharmacies, and supermarkets, and especially online. Online brands have been doing really well, but where they haven't been doing so well, the bottom part of the K is the brands which have really been focusing on beauty uh, retailers, department stores, concept stores, because a lot of them have been really badly affected during lockdown. So what we've seen is some brands have done really well, natural organic brands in the last six months, uh, others have done really badly because they're focused on uh, retailers which were either closed or have been very badly affected. Uh, but overall, what we've seen is demand for natural, organic and sustainable products has increased in the last six months here in Europe. And that's mainly because consumers have become more concerned about health and wellness. Uh, demand for organic foods in countries like here in the UK, France, Austria, Germany, has been seeing very high growth because consumers are more concerned about personal immunity, supplement sales have gone up, and also natural personal care products uh, because they're considered to be cleaner, better for health. Uh, they've also seen a very big rise as well. But again, it's been a K-shape for a lot of these brands. And so with this consumer interest, how are brands communicating with the consumer? How has the message changed what are the current campaigns and what should the future campaigns look like? Are the PR still greenwashing? Mallory? I think a lot of brands are starting to embrace sort of these rallying cry events like Zero Waste Week, Earth Day, Plastic Free July to not only promote their products, but to make a connection with consumers. But I really think that future messaging for green beauty should really be centered around radical transparency. That brand I mentioned in the beginning, Faye Earth the Body, who provides a list of the chemical composition of their product. Things like that really resonate with consumers because consumers are looking for three things in a brand, transparency, authenticity, and honesty. Consumers are really confused by all the information and, and misinformation that exists around 
green beauty right now. You mentioned greenwashing. We've all read the articles. What does clean green beauty even mean? Consumers have these same questions too. So I think it needs to be really focused less on products and really more on its larger message. A quick example, Selena Gomez's Rare Beauty, not a clean beauty brand, but another standard celebrity launch, but it was able to kind of separate itself from the pack and generate buzz by focusing most of its efforts on promoting its brand ethos of acceptance and mental health support. And consumers are really lining up to this strategy. And I think green beauty needs to evolve along those same lines, looking to promote clean efforts even more so than the products. And some markets in Europe, especially uh, Germany and Northern Europe, are quite advanced. Amadou, how do you see, if anything, uh, the the marketing message evolving in these quite um, advanced markets? Um, To be really honest, we haven't seen so much changes in the messages in the last um, few months, in the last six months. And part of the reason is that is regulation. Um, the European cosmetics market is a lot more regulated than that in the USA and in Asian countries. So um, in terms of making claims like, um, you know, made free from, or in terms of containing organic ingredients or making a claim that it's natural organic, it's a lot more regulated. So there's been quite a few brands in the past that have got in trouble with the, with the authorities in their countries, whereby they're making claims that the brand is free from synthetic chemicals. Um, one brand comes to mind, Sanex Zero. Uh, they were marketing their brand as saying free from all synthetic chemicals. And about five years ago, they were called out by saying, well, look, you know, you may be free from such and such chemicals, but you still contain these synthetics and organic claims as well. There's been a lot of brands which have been making organic claims and they've got in trouble with authorities by saying, well, look, you may be having an organic extract, but it's not an organic personal care product, organic skincare product. So we haven't seen so much change in the messaging in the last five or six months. And that's partly because of the heavy regulation that we have. And as wellness becomes more important to everyone, and consumers in Asia are looking uh, at wellness products. Nicole, how are the brands who are green in Asia um, communicating to these new customers? If you asked 10 consumers in Asia what green meant, I think you get 10 different answers. The reality is, is that over here, you know, the, the consumer awareness is so low across the different touch points of what constitutes a green product. I mean, you know, for some, if, if you said, what is a green product? They'd say, oh, does it mean it's vegan? Or is it chemical free? Which we know is ludicrous because everything contains chemicals. So then is it toxic chemical free? But what does that really mean? Oh, it's free from. I mean, this region was very, very forward with the free from labeling. Um, you know, the kind of, the, you know, the paraben free, hair care categories really started in this region. Um, And for many, that's what they would think green would mean. Um, However, you know, some are now kind of looking, does it mean packaging? Does it mean it's better for the planet? Is it carbon, you know, carbon free? Is it, you know, and, or is it reusing other ingredients? So for example, you know, so from this, from our perspective, there is no singular message and the actual kind of definition of what green is, is so convoluted and so confused that, you know, um, I, I couldn't honestly tell you 
if there is a, a company that is communicating what it does well. I mean, if it's if it's Cal, which is doing great on its you know sustainability side, you know, is it doing well on the ingredients um, and so on? Probably not. So you know, there, I wouldn't say there's one winner in this uh, category in this part of the world at all. So let's move on to retail. Um, how have they become greener spaces since COVID? Boots in the UK and Nordstrom in the US recently started recycling projects where you could bring any cosmetic product into the store and they would recycle it. But is this just a desperate attempt for the retailers to pull people back in store or is it a permanent change of policy? Amajit. Well, the first thing is um, a lot of this trend already started before 2020. We've seen a big growth in um, stores which are providing refill stations. For example, Yield Yard Remedies, they started experimenting two of their stores here in the UK where you can bring back your uh, bottles and refill them up in their stores. Um, the Body Shop obviously trialed this many, many years ago, a couple of decades ago. Um, so we're seeing that you know, trend already happened. We've seen zero waste stores whereby they're not having any packaging at all. It's all about having food and beauty or personal care products, which you can uh, have without packaging, things like shampoo bars. Um, however, what we're finding is that unfortunately, this pandemic is setting back uh, this whole movement of sustainability in terms of stores, in terms of packaging back by 10, if not 20 years. You know, hand sanitizer sales have gone through the roof. Most of them are small hand sanitizer bottles, and there's a lot of big waste from that. Things like masks, single-use masks. So there's been a huge strain on the environment just because of this pandemic. You know, uh, on one side, hand sanitizers, masks, but also consumers, they tend to wipe everything, going to the shops, wiping surfaces a lot more so there's a lot more environmental impact this year and uh, also the previous trend i talked about in terms of multiple use packaging a lot of consumers are scared they don't want to reuse packaging which may have been cleaned because they're worried someone may have been infected who used it before so unfortunately we've seen this whole green movement in terms of greener spaces packaging set back many years because of this pandemic and in Asia, Nicole, retail environments, they are beginning to look more like galleries. Um, how are they making their spaces greener? So with um, green spaces, so, I mean, it's a, it's a tricky question to answer because there's not a whole lot going on, really. Um, you know, there's a couple of brands which are trying out things. Um, there's one salon, uh, a nail salon here in a very trendy area in Singapore, which is trying to do what it calls, you know, the first uh, toxic chemical free manicure. So it will basically there's no formaldehyde in its in its products, for example, um, in terms of actual stores. Um, as Amajit said that, you know, there are some of those stores that, you know, that have the, uh, the zero waste philosophy going on. So you go in and you just load up on products and bring your own bag. Um, bags, but that tends to be more on the home care side. And then when it comes to the actual store, you know, uh, the Body Shop has launched its first, you know, activist workshop on um, Orchard Road fairly recently. 
and uh, you know it's kind of it's sustainable store fixtures made with so-called green materials um, it's all repurposed it's recycled it's upcycled and so on and so forth but that's probably the only standout example so um in you know if we're looking at kind of northeast asia um, you know, I've mentioned cow before, but they really are kind of the, the pioneer really in this part of the world. But they do offer um, something called smart holders. So if you go into some of the stores with your products, you can actually refill your home care products in store. But it doesn't really tend to lend itself um, on the beauty side. It's really more on home care currently. And Mallory, is there anyone innovating in the U.S.? Well, for the U.S. market, I think what we really need to talk about in terms of green retail is digital retail. And we are seeing a bit of innovation or at least some effort within that space. Uh, many stores are expanding or creating a curated selections of their website that are specifically dedicated to clean beauty. Obviously, Sephora was one of the first to do this in terms of major retailers, but others are now hopping on the bandwagon. Uh, Ulta recently launched its new Conscious Beauty section which not only shows shoppers which brands are vegan, sustainable, clean, and cruelty-free, but interestingly, it also highlights products that are making a positive impact on the world through charity or other sustainability efforts, which I think is pretty interesting. Target has also been beefing up its natural clean beauty range over the past few years, and Walmart also recently launched their Mindful Beauty selection, which is kind of interesting for, you know, a a company like Walmart that the consumer, average consumer doesn't really associate with clean green beauty, but they've cr created a really nice little section on their website in a move that mirrors what Ulta and Sephora have done to craft out a digital space where consumers can easily identify sustainable products. So the high street in the UK, the malls in the US and Asia are crying out for consumers. Are they missing a trick by not making their spaces greener? Amajit. I think they would like to, but you know, with the current um, pandemic that we're in, I think this is really restraining a lot of their efforts. And unfortunately, health and safety is taking precedent for a lot of these retailers. Uh, but we are still seeing some initiatives take off. Um, L'Oreal partnered with uh, TerraCycle, and uh, they launched 1,000 recycling bins in boots uh, just about a couple of months ago, which is encouraging consumers to uh, put away their old product packaging so they can be reused again. So we are still seeing initiatives like that, but they're unfortunately they're a lot slower than what they were and than what they could have been. Uh, and again, in terms of these initiatives, again, TerraCycle uh, is leading. I've already talked about what they're doing in terms of their loot platform. And um, you know, hopefully we're going to see more initiatives like that but when you talk about waste management, I just want to also point out a lot of the cosmetic companies are already realizing that this is a very big issue. Unilever, over 600 of their manufacturing sites are now producing zero waste. And P&G, 85% of their manufacturing sites are also producing zero waste to landfill. So there's been a lot of developments there in terms of the manufacturing, but the next step is to do that at the consumer level with the retailers. And waste management, Nicole, in Asia, is there anything? Is there such a thing? Should there be such a thing? Yeah, no, it's starting. Look, it's nascent over here. Um, there's a, another actually Filipino company that we've been looking at called Body Food All Natural. And, um, and 
judging by its name, it really does focus on body care. But what they've been really doing is asking their customers, and this is all really an initiative that just started um, around September. And, um, and what they're asking to do, their consumers to do is to reuse um, containers such as glass pots and tin cans to help minimize plastic consumption. So when you go and buy the product, um, you know, there are, you know, you'll take a, a, one of these receptacles and, and take it home and, and so on and so forth. But the, the reality is, you know, it's all very cute in principle and, and pre-COVID this would just be, you know, a really charming idea. Um, but now in this COVID era, people just are, are genuinely worried. And, you know, and it's not been a great week for um, sustainability. I think there was a report just recently that said, you know, particularly in a place like Singapore, um, that people are better off buying a plastic bag than they are a cotton um, bag, because obviously nothing's manufactured here. And if you use a, a plastic bag a few times, it's still going to um, offset, offset the carbon footprint of you know, um, buying a cotton bag. So yeah, it's just not been great really for um, sustainable brands. And, you know, what there is, they are trying, you know, with more biodegradable based products, but, you know, right now people are just so hygiene conscious that it's just not a major consideration, unfortunately. And in the US, Mallory, waste management? To me, this is the most exciting area for innovation. And great. we've seen a lot of growth in this area. Um, and not just in terms of waste management for packaging, but also for formulas, because we have to remember that this idea of forever chemicals is growing and that we need to focus on biodegradable solutions because all that product runoff ends up in our water supply. It ends up somewhere, it doesn't dissipate. So I think it's a twofold approach. Um, like Emerget mentioned before, we're seeing a lot of great innovation in terms of upcycling to reduce excessive waste. We're seeing brands use pulp and excess seeds to create great new oils and products. A new brand debuting in the U.S., Catalyst, um, they use upcycled agra banana waste in their line of products. And so I think brands are recognizing that there really is wealth and waste. And also just in terms of brands really marketing themselves as zero waste makeup. Um, Aether Beauty um, created the industry's first zero waste eyeshadow palette with soy-based inks, aluminum eyeshadow pans, and a completely um, recyclable palette. So I think that kind of a total you know, product approach will be really important for waste management going forward. And last, if we reconvene in a year's time, what should, could, green beauty look like? Will this category still be the industry starlet? Nicole, what will green beauty look like in Asia? I want to be really idealistic here um, and say that, you know, the holy grail of business really, or hopefully, um, is purpose. You know, it's profit balance with principles. And as we've seen from this COVID crisis, you know, if the world comes together and I know it sounds all a bit kind of, you know, hippy dippy and lovely flowy and everything. But if we do come together and work together and realize that we are fairly connected and if we just sort of, you know, work together as we did when the, you know, the UN was established during the war, um, that things can, you know, um, change and things can be achieved with a bit of effort. And what I really see here in this part of the world is a slow recognition that things aren't right. I mean, the weather patterns are changing 
massively in this part of the world. You know, we always sort of joke that in Singapore, it's either hot and rainy or hot and just wet and, and, and humid. But actually, it's been cold recently. And, that, and that's just not something that happens in the tropics. So there is a huge awareness that, you know, uh, there is climate change happening and that people real are realizing there is an impact to their actions. So I would like to say that in a year's time, we are going to see more companies making an effort. You know, currently there's just a few consumer giants in the region and then a lot of indies who really don't have that much of an impact. But in a year's time, that could be a different story. So I want to be idealistic as well as optimistic. And Amajit, in Europe... What will green beauty look like in 12 months' time? Uh, I'm, I'm going to give this a very broad answer, uh, and not just for Europe. I'm just going to talk about it in very general terms. Uh, as you're aware, you know, we're covering this quite in depth for our Sustainable Cosmetics Summit. And uh, what we've seen uh, in the last six, seven months is that we're seeing a shift. Um, originally, when, we, when you talked about green beauty, or you talked about sustainability, um, the companies were all looking at environmental impacts. They were looking at reducing their carbon footprint, looking at producing more greener formulations, having natural products, organic products. It was all about the environment. But what we've seen now is because of um, this pandemic, which is described as a health, social and economic crisis, it's really highlighted a lot of the social uh, inequality which exists in society. For example, uh, in the Western countries, the consume, uh, people who are from the lower social classes tend to be more affected and also producers, or so you can say consumers, or people in the developing world have been more affected. So what beauty companies are doing now is they're looking more at social issues and trying to put them into their sustainability programs. And what we expect to see in a year's time is more and more green associated with social inequality, ethnic minorities, and helping producers, whether than in your own country or in developing countries. And I just want to finish by giving two examples there. Uh, fair trade in cosmetics um, is already taking off. So you can buy products which are certified fair trade, and by buying those products, you're going to give a premium to producers in the developing world in producers in Africa, Asia, or Latin America. And a second example I want to give is ForestWise. This is a Dutch uh, company, and they're producing ingredients which are from Borneo, from the rainforest. And as you're aware, in Southeast Asia, there's a very big issue about deforestation, whereby they're cutting off parts of the forest for palm oil. And what they're doing is trying to preserve the forest. They're actually sourcing rainforest ingredients, working with local communities, keep giving them jobs, making sure that they're looking after the forest. And they're taking ingredients like lippy butter, coconut oil, which is certified, uh, natural certified organic, and that's been used in cosmetic products. So we like to see more of those case studies whereby we're having ingredients which are not just having a lower environmental impact, but they're better for social communities and they're addressing a lot of the social problems that we face. And Mallory, will this green brand trend continue in 12 months' time? So I think a year from now, what we'll be getting to in terms of green trends is the heart of what sustainability means. And that is what is essential to sustain life on Earth. We're beginning to really question how many beauty products we need. Something I've heard echoed from many in the beauty industry over the last several years is this 
collective exhaustion at the relentless pace of beauty launches. And the thing about these beauty launches is they don't just give us consumer fatigue, they're taking a massive toll on the planet. So to that end, I think by this time next year, we're really going to be seeing this these single product launches and this idea of less but better products that represent the new luxury and clean beauty. Uh, so that you know, brands are going to be launching with high quality, sustainable ingredients, a very small lineup, if, if more than one product. And the idea of less but better is going to resonate with consumers as we look to reduce our overall consumption because at the end of the day, that's really what is contributing to this massive pileup of pollution and waste. And with that, I would like to thank my guests, Amajit, Nicole and Mallory for taking part and to the audience for listening. Thank you. Thank you.